Hi, this is Derwin James, and you listen to the Chargers Podcast Network. Hey guys, Chris Harry with you on a week two edition of Chargers Weekly here on the new Chargers Podcast Network. Coming up, a jam-packed episode. We'll get this week's opposing view from Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press. Chargers radio analyst Daniel Jeremiah stops by to preview Sunday's game against the Lions. Plus, a Beat Writers Roundtable with Daniel Popper of The Athletic, Southern California News Group's Gilbert Manzano, and Jeff Miller of The LA Times. But first, a former NFL MVP who's going to be in the booth this Sunday on CBS for Chargers-Lions, Rich Gannon. Rich, always appreciate the time, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited. I'm sitting here uh, grinding away. We're watching tape. We're watching, actually watching, just finishing up the... Uh, the Chargers Colts from last week. We'll get started on Detroit, obviously, but uh, we're really excited about the matchup. A good uh, week two matchup between uh, the Chargers and the Lions. Well, I tell you, man, Colts Chargers, one of the best games of the weekend. What were your observations from last Sunday? Two teams who, you know, who knows? They, they may see each other down the line. Yeah, I thought there were some real positives. I, I mean, you know, I thought it was a pretty clean performance from the Chargers, and you look at, uh, I think there was just a couple penalties. I think they had three penalties uh, defensively. Certainly, uh, the run defense is an area where they can, I think, make some corrections. They hate to go up a couple hundred yards, uh, you know, on the ground, and uh, that, that, uh, that, that's got to get cleaned up. I think Marlon Mack had some big runs. But I thought Rivers was sharp once again. Another 300-yard day, three touchdowns. Keenan Allen looks like he's in midseason form. Uh, I was really impressed with Austin Eckler. He, you know, we of course we saw him last year. People forget he had almost a thousand yards from scrimmage a season ago. Mm. Uh, he's a really nice back. You know, he did so many things well. Uh, you, you know, I just made a note here. You lose him. He was a smaller back. He gets lost sometimes behind that big line of scrimmage, especially in the screen game. And uh, you know, I also like Justin Jackson. I, I think he's he's a really good player to start for some other teams, but. Um, they played well, I think, defensively. Uh, the big takeaway I, I, I saw from that game is just a, a couple of assignment uh, issues. And, of course, just tackle a little bit better. The run fits have to be better uh, because um, certainly Detroit's looking at the same film I looked at. Well, Rich, you mentioned Austin Eckler. I think it was 154 total yards, three touchdowns. But Justin Jackson as well. Listen, he only had six carries, but nine and a half a pop. Six for 57. I think he had a 23 and a 24-yard rush. That two-headed attack uh, really kind of kept that offense on balance there. It really did. And, you know, you, you know Justin, Justin's first run was an explosive. I mean, you, you see it, uh, and you can tell he's got some uh, another gear. I think he's got good vision. He's got some patience. Uh, you know, at times when you watch the Chargers, you know, you've got this Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame quarterback in, in Phillip Rivers. You don't want to take the ball out of his hands, but, you know, this could be a really good running football team, uh, even without Melvin Gordon. You look at Eckler and, and uh, Jackson, uh, they can be good. And I think Scott is probably a better run blocker at this point in his career than he is a pass blocker. I thought the, the, the Chargers did a nice job helping him a little bit with some tight end presence, uh, even rolling Rivers a little bit to, to his right a couple times, uh, slotting the line that way chipping with the back so uh you know obviously he's got to get better in pass protection that's something that uh, uh continues to be a work in progress well rich i love having you on and you're one of the few people who can actually speak on this mvp of the league in 2002 you played 17 seasons in the nfl philip entering his 17th season on sunday he broke a tie with peyton manning and Derek brooks 209 consecutive starts I don't know if you could just describe how difficult it is to play quarterback in the NFL for that long at that level and never miss a start. Well, if you had an all tough guy team for a couple of decades, this guy would be on it. You know, he's just, he's adorable. He's accountable. He's consistent. He's productive. Uh, you know, obviously he's, uh, brings excellent skills and leadership to the position. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I always say every time I do a Chargers game, a couple of things I mention when I talk about Philip Rivers. Um, you know, he's so good at stepping up in the pocket. He doesn't have great lateral quickness. You know, he's not going to scramble, make a lot of plays with his legs, but he's, he's so good at stepping up in the pocket. He's so good at, at 
trusting the protection. And there's no one better in football at throwing the ball from a congested pocket. Mm. He's the best in the business. You've got helmets and arms and bodies and hands in his face. And, you know, his vision's distorted. He's no problem. He just sits in there. He just – he works his way through the watch. And uh, he's able to find a uh, an open receiver down the field. To me, you know, that's impressive because I was never good at that. Um, when it started getting congested, I was looking for an escape lane. Not Rivers. He just sits in there with a tough jaw and, and delivers the ball down the field. He does, and he'll have a tough matchup in Detroit. And before we get into this matchup, I want to get your general reaction to what you saw in week one because there were some surprising results. Uh, but I think we as football fans, we tend to maybe overanalyze what we see in week one. Well, I, I think what Tennessee did to Cleveland, going into, going into Cleveland, about just that? dropping a house on them, beating them by 30. There was all this talk about the Browns and, you know, were they going to, you know, I heard people say, well, they could they could be a Super Bowl contender. I said, well, maybe they should win a division first. But I thought uh, Baker Mayfield was very sloppy. He threw three picks. It could have easily been five. They had 18 penalties in that game. So that was bad. Um, I, I think, you know, obviously New England, nothing changes there with Brady and Belichick. They look sharp. Pittsburgh laid an egg. I think they've got some issues. Uh, you know, you lose. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell didn't play last year, but you know, not having him and Antonio Brown, I think Ben Roethlisberger felt that a little bit the other night. Kansas City continues to be Kansas. I was impressed with Oakland last night. Mm. You know, I watched that game. Um, you know, with all the distractions that they had, they really, they really got after Denver. Uh, I really liked the way they ran the ball with Josh Jacobs. He's a good. He's you know, obviously the first round pick, and he's going to be a good one. Um, you know, there's always there's always a lot of stories. I watched the New Orleans and. And, and Houston game, and what an amazing finish! You, know, you give it's amazing what you know Drew Brees can do with like 15 seconds of football. I, it's crazy. No, no panic. Showed great poise and made some big time plays down the stretch. That was an instant classic on Monday night, and you know the Lions playing the Cardinals. They tied, and I looked this up, Rich. You were never involved in a tie as a starting quarterback in the NFL. What do you think a tie feels like? in a locker room after a game? I, you know, people always say it's like kissing your sister. I, I don't know if that, that makes a lot of sense. But, um, look, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't want it, but I think it's better than a loss. You know, I mean, however you look at it, I think certainly it beats, it beats you know, losing a football game. But, uh, you know, Detroit really had that game in control, and I just think they ran out of steam late. I watched some of it. Um, you know, they just uh, – they, for, for the first three quarters, um, you know, they just uh, – they really did a terrific job defensively uh, with, with Kyler Murray. And then all of a sudden, he just exploded in the fourth quarter in overtime. So, uh, I don't know if he just ran out of gas chasing him around. He's a very unique guy. He's like the modern-day version of Fran Tarkenton. You watch him. He's just – he runs all over the place. He extends plays. Keeps his eyes downfield. The ball in throwing position. He can run. He's very dangerous and it's a very, obviously, a very unique style of offense. Well, Chargers-Lions, two teams that rarely see each other in the regular season. I think the quarterback matchup is the first thing that jumps out to me, Rivers versus Stafford, two guys that can really sling it, Rich. Yeah, you know, um, Matthew Stafford's interesting. You know, you look at his career numbers, he's put up some big numbers, he's thrown for a lot of yards. Uh, the, the number that concerns me the most is his one loss record, 66 wins, 75 losses, and a tie, obviously, this past weekend. But, um, you know, he hasn't been great late in games sometimes, uh, and that's something that um, uh, concerns me. But he's like Phillip Rivers. He hasn't missed a start since 2010. He's tough. He's durable. Uh, he can make big-time throws. And I think they've gotten better around him. You know, they were very aggressive in free agency. You look at all the additions, just on offense alone, C.J. Anderson, Jesse James, Logan uh, Thomas, two tight ends. Uh, you know, they went out and got Danny Amendola. So they were aggressive there. They drafted uh, Hokinson, the tight end out of Iowa. He's a good-looking tight end. He is. Uh, who really did some good things week one. And then defensively, they added some players as well. Trey Flowers from the Patriots. They got Sean Melvin from Oakland. Justin Coleman, the corner. Uh, from Seattle, so uh, they spent some money, 
uh, to try and improve on what was a very disappointing first year under Matt Patricia. Well, the Chargers pass rush going to have to show up on Sunday. Bose and Ingram each had a sack against the Colts, five quarterback hits. How do game plans change, Rich, when you have to account for not one but two Pro Bowl edge rushers? It's a problem, you know, because we spend so much time in the offensive meeting room, uh, first and foremost, addressing protection. That's really where it all starts when you put a game plan together. And usually you say, all right, look, who's the best edge rusher? All right, let's, let's make sure we turn the line. Let's make sure we, you know, we chip with the back. Let's make sure we help the left tackle. Let's make sure, you know, formationally we do some things to get him running. Um, but the problem is, is when you have one on, on, on both sides, you know, so you, you can't, you got to kind of pick your poison. And then, you know, as we've seen last year and, and, and even uh, in week one, sometimes they're on the same side. That's right. You know what I mean? So that could be a problem. Uh, and so they do a lot of different stunts and games and there's movement. And sometimes you see Ingram in a two-point stance. And uh, they're both excellent pass rushers. Uh, and you just have to, you know, if you're a quarterback, and certainly, in terms of the protection scheme, you better have a plan for 54 and 97. A couple more for me, Rich. I was always wondering this. How did your teams approach playing teams in the NFC when you were with the Raiders? You know, Lions and Chargers, they meet once every four years. Not familiar opponents, especially in week two. It's a great point. And to answer your question, it's uncomfortable. Because you don't have the the familiarity with the opponent, with the personnel, with the schemes. And so it takes a lot of extra work. Um, you know, at times you, you, you have coaches call uh, colleagues in the profession, guys from the NFC North to find out a little bit more about the Lions. I think you take some time to watch what seems like the Vikings and the Packers and the Bears have done uh, in games past. Last year you look at, you know, what those teams have done against because they know each other so well. And so they've got a good feel for it. But the problem is, is, the coaching staff change, personnel changes. Um, you know, you look at uh, the Lions, they've got a new offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel. So, you know, you can't just you can't go back and look at what Jim Bob Cooter did last year. So it changes a little bit that way. But I think you have to spend extra time really familiarizing yourself with the personnel. And the problem with this second game of the season is you can look at week one against Arizona, but there's not a lot of tape to watch in the preseason because none of these players – play much in the preseason anymore so you're not getting a lot you're not getting two or three good preseason games where you can at least watch a half of football or even a quarter of football to get a sense of what the starters were doing because so many teams aren't playing the starters in the preseason rich final thing what are you going to have eyes on sunday what do you think is going to decide this game first road game for the chargers they didn't lose when they got on an airplane last year up until playing new england in the divisionals Uh, but a good test against a lions team Open it up at home. Yeah, the, the, the Chargers are really good on the road. And um, so they know how to play in difficult environments. The crowd noise uh, is certainly going to be an issue. I think you want to make sure you get off to a good start. Um, you, you look at their personnel. We talked a little bit about, uh, obviously, the left tackle situation and not having Russell Okun. That, that's significant. I thought for the most part, uh, it wasn't certainly wasn't a flawless performance from Trent Scott. But I think the most part, uh, he got some good quality reps. Um, you know, they, they've got to be able to have the balance that they did last week with the running game, the passing game. I love how they mixed in the play-action game. But, you know, Phillip Rivers is so good at the line of scrimmage, changing protection, changing play, going from a strong side run to a you know, play-action pass on third down, sorting through all the trash and the different looks and the overloads and the exotic pressures and knowing where his quick answer throw is and, um, I think the big challenge for them, obviously, is going to be to handle Trey Flowers and uh, yeah. where they line him up. He's a great pass rusher. Uh, I think they, I think overall, uh, defensively, they were pretty good a season ago. Where they struggled was offensively. Uh, it was kind of stuck in neutral for most of the season. They changed coordinators, as I mentioned. They got a renewed emphasis on the running game, and, and you're going to see that with Bevel. I think they're trying to, I don't want to say take the ball, out of Matthew Stafford's hands. Uh, but I think they want to be a little bit more balanced. I think you'll see some two tight end sets uh, from, the, from the Lions. They, obviously, they have a number of tight ends. I mentioned Jesse James and Logan Thomas and also Hawkinson. Uh, Hawkinson. But so look for that uh, and look for 
Stafford uh, in a critical situation to try and push the ball downfield. You make a great point about Trey Flowers, and I think what's interesting is the last time the Chargers were on the road was in New England, and they had to deal with Trey Flowers in January. So got to see him back-to-back on the road. Rich Gannon, I always appreciate your insight, man. I always love it when you and Kevin are on a Chargers game, and we look forward to seeing you at Ford Field. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. All right, we now bring in Dave Burkett to get this week's opposing view presented by Mercury Insurance. Dave does excellent work for the Detroit Free Press. And let's just start with what the Lions are saying about the Chargers coming into Detroit in week two, Dave. Yeah, I think there's a healthy respect in the Lions locker room for the Chargers and, you know, not only what they accomplished on the field last year, but, you know, what they appear to be talking to Quandre Diggs this week. He's uh, He obviously has a lot of ties to the Chargers from, from his brother, uh, who played there uh, back when the team was in San Diego? But he said it's a team that he watches tons still. He likes Philip Rivers, loves Philip Rivers game. He's a big fan of Desmond King, and I think that's uh, you know that can be said throughout the locker room because look, no Melvin Gordon, but everybody respects Austin Eckler. Everybody knows what Philip Rivers can do on offense, and then defensively, you got two of the best. Yeah, I think the uh, the Lions know this is not going to be an easy one if they're going to get in the win column. Well, Dave, let's go back to last week because the Lions' defense was really good for three quarters. They held the the Cardinals' offense to 100 total yards through three, and then the fourth quarter overtime, 287 yards. What do you attribute that to, just being tired in week one, or did the Cardinals figure something out? No, I think that's a little part of it. I mean, you know, first game of the season, and a lot of the Lions' defensive starters didn't play much in, in training camp because of injuries and various reasons just holding guys out. Um, but really, I think it came down to, you know, a couple of things. I mean, the Chargers, I'm sorry, the, the Cardinals got some big plays from, you know, some of their best players, Kyler Murray escaping the pocket for, for one nice run. Larry Fitzgerald made a great catch. Um, I think there were, I think there were a few of those moments. And then, you know, the Lions, they, their pass rush wasn't as effective down the stretch. They had some defensive breakdowns. There was one play in particular that I can remember, uh, you know, Christian Jones, I think, uh, sort of losing track of of a, uh, a player on a play fake. So I think it was it was partially self-inflicted and, and partially due to, to what Arizona was doing on the field. Well, Detroit's offense had a pretty productive day in uh, one of the many bright spots. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson, first-round pick, tight end from Iowa, had six for 131 yards and a touchdown. I think the best rookie tight end performance in Week 1 history – Dave, what can you say about what T.J. Hawkinson did, not only in week one, but what he's shown you guys throughout training camp and OTAs and, and beyond? Yeah, certainly lived up to the billing, re- really exceeded it. I mean, you know, when you take a tight end that high in the draft, number eight overall, you come in expecting big things. And I think everyone, myself included, said let's pump the brakes a little bit on expectations for, for T.J. this year. You know, tight end's a difficult position to, to learn for, for a first-year guy, but you know, he came in last week and he just made some really nice plays offensively. We knew he was going to be a red zone threat, but but he showed some of that that intermediate route running and, and ability to to separate from from defenders that you know maybe we thought it would take him a little time to to show up on the NFL level. So, um, you know, I still look. I, I don't think that he's going to have 130 yards every game. That'd be unrealistic. But there's no doubt that you know what the Lions want to do on offense with their their two tight end sets and and what they think he can be for them in in the red zone and intermediate passing game. Um, you know, I, I think he's he's certainly lived up to that billing so far. Well, we just did an X's and O's segment with Daniel Jeremiah, our radio analyst, and obviously NFL Network, and he's plugged into the draft as well as anybody. He said Hawkinson was the safest pick in the draft. He said he was the best run blocker that he ever evaluated. So I guess his versatility, he's going to be a mismatch and, and present some problems for opposing defenses. Absolutely right. You know, I think you can go back in the very first running play the Lions had. You know, they used Hawkinson as sort of the lead blocker last week, and, and he opened a big hole for Kerryon Johnson. So that was that was a big part of the attraction for the Lions was was his versatility, his ability to be a factor both as a run blocker and in the, the receiving game. And you know, I'll tell you the other thing. I, I mentioned that two tight end offense. It's you know the Lions really like what they can do with that because of the, the mismatches it gives defenses. And, and last week, I went back through and watched Matthew Stafford was ten for ten uh, passing with with two tight ends on the field, threw for about 170 yards wow. in those situations, a touchdown. So. It was a, a package that the Lions really exploited well. That's interesting. And, you know, the running game, 
I, I'm wondering, is this a true like split backfield with Carryon Johnson and C.J. Anderson? It, it looked like that on Sunday. Yeah, you know, the thing with the Lions is they, they want to be a committee. You know, C.J. Anderson is not going to disappear from the committee. I think, you know, everyone agrees that Carryon is the, the lead back and the most important guy back there. He's the guy that's, you know, he's going to break some big plays. But, yeah, C.J. is going to get his touches. And, you know, C.J. Anderson's role right now is he plays on third downs because he's a good blocker. Um, you know, he's going to be their, their short yardage back. And then he's going to get another series or two throughout the game, you know. So I think – you know, that that's that's probably going to even out the snaps when all is said and done. Carry on is the he's the main guy and he's the two minute back. But uh, you know the Lions aren't going away from the two back offense anytime soon. One more question on the Lions offense before we get to the Chargers. Danny Amendola, his presence in this offense now. What does he mean to Matthew Stafford? Yeah, you know he's a he's a security blanket. I mean, he sort of looks the Lions. I, I think the receiving core is. is you know, one of the, the weak spots on the team, I guess. Um, Kenny Galladay is a nice playmaker outside. Marvin Jones has some speed, but he's coming off that injury. You know, Amendola is a guy that obviously has put up a lot of catches in his career, hasn't always had a big yard per catch average, but he's just a, a dependable, trustworthy guy that, that can play in that slot. So, you know, the Lions, again, you know, because of their personnel on offense and the big bodies they have, you know, Danny's really the only true slot receiver they have. So he's got a pretty defined role on this offense. Well, Dave, the Chargers ended this one with quite a few injuries. No Melvin Gordon, Russell Kung's out, uh, Derwin James, obviously, and then the news with Hunter Henry. Uh, that said, it's still a very deep roster. What do you think the biggest challenge is that the Chargers pose to Detroit? I think it's the pass rush. You know, we saw last week that, and those were two pretty good defensive ends that the Lions faced last week, or outside linebackers, I guess, Terrell Suggs and Chandler Jones. And, you know, they really gave the Lions fits. I mean, Taylor Decker had, uh, he gave up two sacks, and, and he was called for four penalties. And, and Rick Wagner, uh, you know, he, he allowed about a half dozen pressures. So, you know, those two tackles have they've been up and down for the Lions. And obviously facing guys like Bosa and Ingram, you know, a, another set of really good pass rushers that you have to be careful of where they move around to and who you help out with and, you know, where you're rolling your protection to. So I think that's the, the thing that the Lions have to be most concerned about um, you know, especially given what they've shown on the offensive line so far and the questions they still have there. And sometimes those guys, they'll line up on the same side. You got Uchen and Nuosu there. And, you know, even the secondary with Desmond King, a guy who's from Detroit, a first-team All-Pro. Uh, what are folks saying about Des coming back to Detroit? Yeah, I asked Matt Patricia about him uh, the other day. I think that's – and Matt Patricia spoke glowingly about him. He said, you know, both – on defense and in the return game, he's such a big factor, such an important player on this, you know, this Chargers team that uh, they're going to know where he is at all times. And, and yeah, look, I, you know, I think that's going to be a fun matchup when he's on the field, when whoever is in the, the slot for, for the Lions, whether it's one of those tight ends, if they match up with, with Dez, if it's Amendola, you know, however the, the Chargers decide to play that. But do know that, uh, you know, the Lions really think that he is an excellent player on both special teams and on defense. Well, Dave, I tell you, on offense, Keenan Allen is going to be probably a mismatch for a lot of teams this year. He didn't play in the preseason, but uh, eight catches, 123 yards and a touchdown. He and Phillip Rivers have just great chemistry. He he plays in the slot, plays on the outside. Who do you think is going to be guarding Keenan Allen, and, and what kind of challenge does that pose for the Lions secondary? Yeah, I think the Lions have to go with Darius Slay on, on him. I mean, you know, they, they haven't always traveled their Slay on the, the opponent's number one receivers, but uh, you know, we saw last week where when they didn't do that on, on Fitzgerald late in the game, the Cardinals went to Fitz, just a dependable guy, made some big plays and really made the Lions pay. And, and I think everyone knows what sort of player Keenan Allen is. And look, uh, you know, obviously the Chargers have some other problems on offense with, with no Hunter Henry and, and uh, you know, with Mike Williams dealing with his, his knee injury. So I would expect that the Lions use Darius Slay on Keenan Allen for a large majority of the game. That would just make the most sense, given uh, Darius Slay is the best cornerback that they have. Rashawn Melvin, their number two, is a little bit beat up right now. Uh, and then, you know, to, to get that matchup and maybe allow some of your other, the rest of your secondary to match up with those other guys, I think that's what, what the Lions can do best. Dave, always love to ask this, especially to somebody who covers the team as closely as you do. Just a, a few guys that maybe Chargers fans don't know about on this Lions team that, that have popped in training camp and maybe week one, maybe a couple under-the-radar guys to have eyes on on Sunday. 
Yeah, well, let's, let's start defensively. You know, I, Jared Davis practiced this week, so there's a chance he's going to be back at middle linebacker. He's been out since week three of the preseason. He got hurt. Uh, but Jelani Tavai, their, their rookie second-round pick, you know, he had a sack last week. Even if Davis is back, he's going to play and play a bunch of different spots on that defense. So, you know, he's a, he's, he, you know, he's not a superstar by any means. Rookie, you know, still has a, a lot of – a lot of growing left to do, but I think we saw the Lions use him in enough different spots and some of the different things that he can do that you're going to see him on the field and all over the field really come come Sunday. And then, you know, offensively, look, I think everyone knows Kerryon Johnson, uh, TJ Hawkinson now, Kenny Galladay. Those are the three big threats, the three real big weapons. But, they, you know, they got a, a rookie running back too, Ty Johnson. Only played, you know, about a dozen snaps, maybe not even that many um, against the Cardinals. But the guy is the fastest player on the team. And the Lions, if it's possible to get him the ball uh, in the open field, he's a guy that can make some plays. It's good to know, Dave. A final thing for you, man. Just key to the game. What's going to decide this game on Sunday? Well, yeah, I mean, I, that, that pass rush that I talked about earlier and really the Lions offensive line because that offensive line is so key to everything the Lions want to do, both running the ball and protecting Matthew Stafford. And, you know, we talked about the, the, the edge rushers that the, the Chargers have. Me Bain, obviously, a pretty good player inside, too. Um, I think that's just a, a crucial matchup. If the Lions can win in the trenches, that's going to give Matthew Stafford an opportunity to throw some passes. That's going to open up the running game. And conversely, if they can't, you know, the Chargers can have a field day getting after Matthew Stafford and, and really making life tough on the Lions. Dave Burkett, Detroit Free Press. You do great work, man. I really appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. Happy to help. Talk to you again. All right, guys, we know you love the Chargers, but you also probably love saving money, too. And Mercury Insurance can help you with that because Chargers fans are saving an average of $769 with Mercury. That'll get you great seats for the next game and jerseys for the whole family too. So what are you guys waiting for? Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com to see how much you could save. It only takes a few minutes to switch and it could save you a lot of money. Don't wait. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com. Savings info based on 2019 California Department of Insurance rate comparison profile 38A. Individual savings may vary. Here with Daniel Jeremiah as the Chargers go to Detroit 1-0 overtime. A little too close for comfort on Sunday, DJ. <laughs> yeah, things got a little interesting there. Um, and it's really fascinating when you, you look at that ball game, how just a couple plays here or there, um, and it's a totally different game, right? I mean, if you look at it from the Chargers' perspective, if you don't have the interception down there in the red zone, you're probably in pretty good shape. You look at it from the Colts' perspective, if they make their field goals, uh, could be a different uh, game going in their direction. So, uh, again, each and every week in the NFL season, the the, uh, um, the competition is so fierce and there's so little difference between these teams. It's three, four plays end up being the difference, and fortunately – the Chargers, once they got that ball in overtime, were able to finish that one. There's so many things to talk about. You can talk about Phillip, his yeah. performance uh, outside that interception. He was great. Didn't look like he needed preseason much at all. Austin Eckler, 154 total yards and three touchdowns. We'll get to him and Justin Jackson. But how about the, the kicking operation? It was unbelievable. You, you don't have Michael Badgey. Uh, first-timers as a snapper, holder, and kicker made all their field goals, made the extra points. It was flawless. I, and, and they weren't even like – a hint of disaster, right? It was no. so smooth, and the kicks were beautiful. Uh, I mean, Ty Long, that you talk about a valuable member of a team. Your you AFC special teams player of the well week, well deserved to be able to do all the things he did in that ball game. Outstanding. It was like it's like a high school game, right? Where yep. you, you're gonna go ahead and do the kicks, you're gonna do the punts, <laughs> the field goals. <laughs> like, who does that? This is the NFL. Line them up at yeah. linebacker, whatever. Ty, I love it. whatever you can do. Uh, Austin Eckler, man, he he was the story, and I think the running game in general. You know, Justin Jackson, nine point seven. Yeah yards a pop uh, what can you say about how Ken Wisenhunt used both of those guys well I thought it was it was outstanding um, and I thought also obviously what they did in the passing game as well and everybody will talk about the, the touchdown catch um, and the long the long plays are two touchdown catches for Eckler but to me pass protection were outstanding um, that's what jumped off that's the what money said after the game too it yeah. was awesome I mean they're really just stepping in there and, and putting their face in there and that was uh, uh, it was impressive to watch the way they, they played a complete game and I thought coach Wisenhunt did a beautiful job of of getting them in a rhythm. They'd get out there, get get lathered up a little bit, get a nice little rhythm going, and then next guy, give him a chance to get out there and get rolling. So, uh, you know, it's tricky. When you're playing multiple backs like that, I thought he did a nice job with it. And it makes you realize just how many weapons the Chargers have because the fact that they leaned on 
the, the two guys in Austin and Justin, yeah. and then Keenan was just kind of doing Keenan Allen things. What we saw, kind of a continuation of training camp, right? No doubt. And Keenan is, uh, you know, one thing, the trust that exists between Phillip and Keenan. And, and that's you saw that with anticipation throws in the middle of the field. You also saw it when uh, he's got a couple guys on his back and Phillip's going to give him an opportunity to go make a play, which he did for that, for that touchdown. So um, it's the benefit of having played with somebody for a very long time. When you get two talented individuals like Phillip and Keenan, and then you get the chemistry that go along with that talent, it's special. There's always something you can take after a win that you want to improve on. Yep. And obviously the, the defense, it was kind of a tale of two halves, especially run defense. Yeah. Uh, Marlon Mack had himself a day, especially in the second half. You want to clean that up, but, you know, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, those guys, you didn't see them during preseason. They both had a sack each, yeah. five combined quarterback hits. So so kind of a mixed bag on defense. Yeah, I thought that was going to be the story of that game, was could the interior of the Chargers D-line hold up on rundown so that they could uh, you know, flip the script and let those edge rushers rush because I thought that was uh, you know the interior of the offensive line versus the Chargers interior D-line advantage to the Colts, best interior offensive line in the NFL. And then when you look, if you get them in passing situations, the Chargers had a big advantage with Bosa and Ingram against those tackles. And it's really kind of how the game went. I mean, early on, you, you hold up up front. If you can hold up and get them into third, medium, or long, advantage Chargers. But far too often there in the second half, they got rolling, and they were in second and ones, third and ones, and um, it's just tough. It's tough to play defense when you're there. And I think part of it was, was some of the interior push that they allowed. Also, they missed some tackles. You know, at the yeah. safety position, you had some missed tackles that uh, resulted in a long run. Week one, you know, everybody wants to win, and we're so reactionary. But yeah. when you look back, you know, we could be in November, December. You look back, Colts look like they're going to be a pretty good football team. Yeah. To get that win against a team like that in week one, especially an AFC game, it, it could be paramount, really. Yeah, it's never too early to start looking at that stuff. And uh, when you can beat teams in the AFC that are playoff contenders, and that stuff ends up mattering at the end of the year. I mean, the Chargers can speak to it as well as any team in the league Doesn't last help. year. Uh, went 12 games, and they weren't necessarily the right 12 games last year. And so. even, even the year before, you go 9-7. Yeah. You beat the Bills, yep. but that tiebreaker, the Bills get in the playoffs, you don't. Yeah, there you go. So th- this is an organization that's very aware of uh, the meaning of these uh, these conference opponents. So uh, it's good It's good to get out of there with a win, and I think it's it's also nice that the team you're getting ready to play is, you know, Chargers having to play a little extra ball there in overtime. Detroit had to play even more, so uh, that, that's a nice thing. What do you think the locker room's like coming off a tie? Oh, you're Detroit. And then get back on the plane Ugh. and fly all the way And being back. up, yeah. they were up, what, 24-6 in the fourth quarter, I believe? Yeah, they, just didn't, they had totally shut down Kyler Murray in, in that Cliff Kingsbury offense. And then um, it was it was interesting. I mean, we can go into it, but they just rushed four almost the entire game. And uh, yeah, I think it was something like 50 of 58 dropbacks that they just rushed for. It worked early in the game when they were fresh, and then they got kind of worn down a little bit later on in the game, and, uh, and they got picked apart, so... I will see. I'm anxious to see what difference uh, we see from this defense, and if they maybe dial it up a little bit more, a little more aggressive against the Chargers. We've been doing these X's and O's segments, and, and we just got finished talking well about hosted, PJ Hawkins. By the way, well hosted, well, well hosted. Hey, I appreciate yeah. it. You know, I have a, a very good uh, co-star who nailed the TJ Hawkinson thing months ago. I mean, you said that this was the safest pick in the draft. The guy looks like a, a four-year vet already. He looks like he's going to be like maybe the go-to guy in that offense. Yeah, I think the offense, at least through one week, went through him. Um, and he is, man, is he's so darn good in the run game. Um, but, man, he showed you what he could do in the passing game. He's got a great feel for space. I think the tight end position, sometimes you get carried away with 40 times and all that. To me, it's about understanding space and how you fit in space and then being physical. And uh, he does all those things extremely well. You're going to play zone, he's going to settle. Um, and he's, he's athletic enough where you get yourself out of position, he'll take advantage of it. We just talk about Phillips' toughness, and I mean, he, he just broke a tie with Peyton Manning and Derek Brooks for consecutive starts yeah, on Sunday, which is crazy. ridiculous. Yeah. Another tough guy, Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. When you are game planning against a guy like Matthew Stafford, especially with these these bookend defensive ends in Bosa and Ingram, what do you need to account for? Because he's going to stick in the pocket, right? He's not he's not going to back down. No, and he's big play hunter. You know, you'll see some quarterbacks, especially the younger quarterbacks, they're going to read uh, uh, underneath the over the top. He doesn't do that. He starts over the top, and he's going to come back down. So um, he wants to be aggressive. He wants to take shots. Almost lost them the football game uh, with that on a third down play late in uh, in overtime there, being too aggressive. So um, you know that that's what they want to do. Uh, to me, he like he's an extremely gifted thrower, and he's even got the arm strength when you can get him off balance. He can still make some incredible throws. But your chances of success are going to tremendously increase if you can get him off of his spot and move him around. Um, he'll make a couple wild plays doing that, but he'll also give you a couple. So that, that to me, is a challenge. If he can set up on, on his spot and just 
uh, sit at the top of the mound and throw the football, it, it, he's going to carve up just about everybody. You've got to move him. This early in the season, I mean, there's not a lot of tape in 2019. Couple of that with you don't see the Lions often. You see them once every uh-huh. four years. How do you think it is in the locker room going up against a, a team like the Colts or really a team like the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Broncos versus a team like the Lions where, you know, Rich Gannon said it, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It, it, well, yeah, it's it's foreign. It's foreign to him. Now, the interesting thing is you can look at the coaching tree and look at the history, and this is a, a staff that's come from New England, which the Chargers are very familiar with that's uh, right. over a long period of time. So uh, while, while the city might be different and some of the players might be different, um, they're going to be running the same plays you've seen uh, over and over again. So uh, there'll be some familiarity from that standpoint. And look, when you're a Chargers team that's got Super Bowl aspirations, um, you can't afford to, to not show up and be ready to go. And I think – you know, you know, you have some injuries or some guys not there. Um, it's a great opportunity for new guys to step in and not only provide play, but provide some energy. You know, let's let's uh, let's. Hey, this is your opportunity. Go make it happen. What's the key to this game, DJ, to get to two and zero against a team that hey, it's their home opener. You know, those fans will be fired up at Ford Field. I think it's whoever plays a cleaner game. I think both these defenses are opportunistic and and hoping to to, to get some turnovers and. I feel like if the Chargers can protect the football, make that Lions offense drive the length of the field, um, it'll be a good day. What you can't do is you can't turn the ball over. You can't, you know, you had a muff punt last week. You can't do those things and give this offense a short field and let them get ahead because it's not quite like the Lions teams of old. They've they've invested in their front and their offensive line. You know, talked about Hawkinson, what he can do in the run game. They would they would love nothing more than to uh, um, to rid themselves of the disaster yeah. of last week of letting one salt away. I think yeah. you'll see a more physical four minute approach there from that Lions group. So uh, let let make them travel the distance. Don't turn the ball over, and I think it'll be a good day for the Chargers. Finally, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk to one of the stars of the aftermath about week one <laughs> in general. Yeah, like some crazy scores, the Browns getting crushed, uh, the the Ravens put up 59 points. What stood out from a, just a week one overall perspective from you? Well, I think some of the divisions um, were interesting, how, how it's shaping up. And really, to be honest, going over the NFC, um, the NFC North is fascinating to me. When you look at the, the big game, we saw Green Bay's defense step up on the opening night. They looked really good. They looked really good. So you've got Green Bay. Minnesota, Kirk Cousins only threw the ball 10 times, and they just smoked Atlanta. Um, so they're going to be interesting. Then you have Detroit and Chicago kind of coming off of, of, of disappointing games. But uh, that, to me, is a fascinating division. And I think when you also look at the NFC East with uh, with the way Philly looked and the way Dallas looked, Philadelphia just kind of scuttled around, got, got themselves in a huge deficit, and then came storming back. Um, it just feels like there's some collision courses. You know, you flip it over to the AFC, the Chiefs are who we thought they were going to be. That's right. Chargers end up beating up a playoff team from last year in the Colts. That feels very much like a collision course uh, in the division. So it's fun to watch early in the year and kind of look off into the distance and see where this thing's headed. We think we know where it's going. We think we know. But, of course, we won't. And we're super overreactionary yeah. to uh, it, right? Although, although uh, well, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything bad about them. But man. No, no, just go, just go. Man, the Dolphins look bad. Bad, bad, bad. Yeah, not good. VJ, yeah. thanks so much, man. Thanks, bud. All right, guys, I want to remind you to not miss a minute of the action with the official L.A. Chargers mobile app. Follow real-time stats, watch your favorite Bolts programming, and live local Chargers games all season long. Download today at chargers.com slash app. Geographic and device restrictions apply. Local and primetime games only. Data charges may apply. All right, I love these roundtables. We've had like three or four of them, and we're going to keep them going during the regular season. Daniel Popper, The Athletic, Gilbert Manzano, Southern California News Group, Jeff Miller, LA Times. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Good. I I'd, I'd like the listeners to know that we are actually sitting in a circle, just so they can paint a picture. So this is a true roundtable. This right. is a roundtable without a table. Yeah. A, I was going to say, let's be accurate, there's no table. There's no so, table. So I guess it's just a round. It's just a round circle with no table. Chargers about to take on the Lions in week two. Gentlemen, just your overall take on what you saw last week in that 30-24 overtime win. Gil, go ahead. Me? There was a lot. It was an exciting game. Overtime period uh, went down on the wire. Obviously, Austin Eckler got all the credit there for for uh, the three touchdowns. But uh, I know Daniel brought this up, pretty, and I was pretty impressed with him too. Is the offensive line without Russell Coombe the first game, and they they rush for that many yards and they create so many holes and lanes front became the running, running rushing attack and and the screen passes. It seems like all those holes Austin Eckler had because of the guys up front like Michael Schofield and Dan Feeney had a great game, and of course Mike Pouncey and. Trent Scott kind of some struggles, but overall he did pretty well. So 
The offensive line for me, uh, it's a good sign to have. Underrated, yeah. Jeff. Uh, yeah, I thought. Um, I think going into it, there was a lot of gloom and doom, and I think understandably, especially given Trent Scott hasn't played that position or played much there. Uh, I thought they played. I mean, they won the game against a pretty good team. I don't think. I mean, the Colts don't have Andrew Luck, but they're still pretty good. And that was a playoff team, and they they tried hard to give it away at the end. And I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, having watched that team last year, I was shocked that the that the Colts went down and scored. And then I thought for sure they're going to stop a two-point conversion because that, that would have fit right into the narrative of last year. Yeah. Um, but Tennessee, then, Seattle, it, uh, Cincinnati, all those It uh, was games. all set up. And then so it was actually shocking when they uh, – but then they, they kept it together and uh, and they, they won a game that would have been uh, really easy to lose and it would have been, I don't want to say devastating, but that would have been a bad loss if they, having been up like they were in the third quarter. So you know how this league is, you – you're not, you're not going to apologize for winning games. And so I, they beat a good opponent, and then uh, and they're 1-0 for the first time, uh, well, the second time in a way. It's 2015, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So, I, th- I think you're going to see the run defense improve, though, because you just had so many new pieces. You know, Kaiser White was starting at middle linebacker for the first time, basically directing the whole defense and getting everyone in place. He only played three games last year as a rookie, and he's learning an entirely new position. Thomas Davis is in a new role that he didn't really play in Carolina, and he's learning different personnel packages and, and where he's supposed to be positioned. You know, he's he's the outside linebacker in the nickel package. He's the middle linebacker in the dime package. He's the only linebacker on the field. And then Adrian Phillips is filling in for Derwin James. He didn't have to start a single game at Strong Safety last year because Derwin started every game. So you have a lot of new pieces, and I think that was the reason why you had a lot of breakdowns in the running game in the second half. And then also even even in the passing game, I think as that group plays together more, Kaiser gets more snaps, you're going to see some improvement defensively, 100%. What do you guys make of just the fact that week one – People are gassed. Like, the Lions had a very similar second half to the Chargers, and they had a 24-6 lead in the fourth quarter. Cardinals just had 100 yards of total offense going into the fourth. Uh, Chargers had a 24-9 lead, and it was a hot day. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not making excuses from a conditioning standpoint, but I think for any team starting a 16-game season, week one, you, you probably got to get into it a little bit, no? Yeah, and Anthony Lynn mentioned that. It wasn't Jacksonville, Florida hot, I will say that. No. <laughs> but... Anthony, Anthony mentioned that that you know the conditioning played played a big a big role, and you expect that. And, and also, just the way the NFL is trending, a lot of the starters aren't playing in the preseason, so you're basically yeah. working yourself into game shape in these first couple games of the regular season. Brandon Meebane didn't play a single snap of the preseason. Neither did Melvin Ingram or Joey Bosa, and those are the guys that are the the keys in the in the uh, in the running game. Thomas Davis didn't didn't play it all in the preseason either. So mm-hmm. these guys are going to be working themselves into game shape over the first three weeks of the regular season as opposed to what it used to be, which was you played yourself in the game shape in the preseason. I kind of got a sense that Anthony, Anthony does not want to hear the excuses, the heat, the preseason stuff. Zero excuses. Like, he was no. not happy with yeah. the run defense, but he said he has very, very a lot of confidence in Gus yeah. Bradley to figure that out. But when it, you know, I think he said it was more of a physical thing. When the team, keeps, when the team is down 24-9, you usually throw it. They kept running and running and running with Martin Mack. So it's maybe something just, you know, New, new faces with Kaiser and Thomas Davis, just kind of figure it out. But uh, overall, he wasn't pretty happy with that. Mm-hmm. I think, too, the Colts are a good team, right? I mean, yeah. you, you weren't going to expect to blow out a team like Indy who has a very deep roster. You take Andrew Luck out of the equation, they still have one of the best offensive lines in football. Marlon Mack's a really good player. Remember when Indy never had a running game? Yeah. They certainly <laughs> have one now. Uh, and you mentioned a lot of guys on defense who did not play in the preseason. Phillip Rivers, Keenan Allen didn't play either. And they seem to have a pretty good connection. Eight for one twenty-three and a touchdown for Keenan Jeff. Yeah, they um, um, didn't seem to miss a beat. There was a uh, Eric Williams isn't here um, today. Eric covers these guys for the for ESPN, and he I, didn't, I haven't read it yet, but he had a thing on Twitter headline that said that they'll probably lean more on Keenan now that Hunter Henry's hurt. And I'm not sure how much more you can lean on. <laughs> that Eric Williams, he's a pretty good read. He's a pretty good read. <laughs> he's, he's solid, but I, I, I'm sure his story made total sense. But it was, it was, it, I, my first thought was, I mean, they leaned on him pretty heavy on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, they didn't, uh, you know, I think, uh, um, who was it during the week last week who said, I think Philip Rivers knows how to throw a football still. Well, Joey, Joey said that. Yeah, I think I think Philip knows how to throw a football. He doesn't need to play. So, and I and I think you know he and Keenan of how many times have they run that they he run whatever route and and Phyllis put it right on him. So th- it wasn't shocking that they were able to they that came right back and uh, you know and they uh, so uh, that wasn't terribly terribly surprising. But uh, I I think Daniel's right. I was actually surprised. I thought they played pretty well for how many guys didn't play, and I I think they'll. You, you would expect that to get a little sharper over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. 
There's no question. And I'm, the one thing you do worry about, though, is, you know, if there's if Mike Williams and Hunter Henry aren't playing, that's a lot more attention that you can pay to Keenan Allen. I remember there's multiple times in the last game where he was like wide, wide open. I was like, how is that happening? He's he's the yeah. best receiver on the field. But that's because you have to pay attention to these other guys. You can't, you know, you, you put Mike Williams, you, you guard him one on one. He's such a big guy that, and Philip has, has said that he'll throw it up, and Mike Williams is probably going to come down with it. You know, Hunter Henry in the middle of the field. If those guys aren't there, all of a sudden you can double Keenan on every snap. And he's still a good enough receiver where he's going to get his, but that takes away from how dynamic this offense can be. Well, Gil, I asked Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press about Keenan Allen and just the fact that if you don't have a Hunter or if you don't have a Mike Williams, who's going to guard Keenan Allen? He thinks it's going to be Darius Slay, and you have Slay on Allen. But in terms of the offense, when you lose a guy like Hunter, and you know if we don't know uh, the status of Mike Williams as we tape this, what do you do? You have two capable running backs who, who can catch the ball out of the backfield, Travis Benjamin, Dontrell Inman, and, of course, Keenan. Yeah, today Ken Wilson kept saying he's going to lean on Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson a lot, which they would have done even with Hunter Henry and Mike Williams still in there. But I think it's going to be Dontrell Inman. Uh, he only had one catch for five yards, but Rivers really likes Dontrell. He recruited him to come back to the Chargers. So I think his role will probably increase. And then you got Travis Benjamin, the, the speeds are in the outside. I think those two guys would be very vital. And I think from that story you pointed out, Jeff, from Eric, uh, Eric pointed out it's going to be a lot of three wide receiver sets. So you throw in, you know, Travis to kind of spread the field, maybe Keenan more in the slot now, or even Inman. Inman's a pretty big body guy, but he could play also a slot. So I think those three guys would be pretty vital to the passing game. One thing, though, they did, like they went, they had only the three receivers because Mike Williams went down with a knee. And in, in overtime, they went to a, a a spread. They went to five 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 spread receivers, and uh, Eckler was on the outside. They're comfortable putting both Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler split out to to the out wide. Whether they're running, you know, a jet sweep action, uh, play action, which they which they ran off that that personnel package and that in that formation on Sunday, um, but they also will throw to those guys out of that spot. So I I don't know if they're gonna like avoid having a five wide receiver set and spreading things out because those guys they feel comfortable putting those guys out there and Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. Yeah, I think those guys feel comfortable doing it as well. And maybe they'll stick Tyrod Taylor out there. And we'll have to see. We saw how that went. Uh, by the way, I want to make mention of the fact that obviously Gil more professional than me. He actually read Eric's story as opposed. Like, I know what you're talking about. I read That's the headline. Jeff's giving like a blind plug to Eric's story, and Gil's like, "Well, actually, I read the story." So let me help you out. Let me help you out, Jeff. Classic millennial just reading, just reading the headline. Come so, on, Jeff. Hey, yeah, what about the yeah. what about the tight end position? You got to feel for Hunter, man. It's oh, a, it's, it's a it's just a, a tough blow. For for him, uh, but it's almost like here we go again for Virgil Green. I mean, he, he he gets thrust into a role that he's very familiar with from last year, and I heard it from Philip, I heard it from Wiz, I heard it from Coach Lynn. Sean Culkin had his best camp as a pro, mm-hmm. uh, so maybe we'll see more of number eighty as well. Yeah, Sean Culkin was great. I thought in, in preseason, he was making plays all over the field. He's making games in preseason. He's making plays in preseason games. He's making plays in training camp. Um, but just, I mean, Hunter Henry is a dynamic tight end, and not just as a pass catcher. He was a key part. You know, we talked about you talked about the offensive line, and the run blocking, but you got to include Derek Watt yeah. in there as a fullback. And then Hunter Henry had a great game blocking, made a key block on on Austin Eckler's touchdown. Um, and I was I was shocked because I talked to Hunter after the game. He was walking around fine. He's like, oh yeah, it was nothing. You know, bang my knee, but I was fine. I went back in there. So you, you got to feel for him. You got to feel for him because I, I felt like. He was due for a huge season this year if he could stay healthy. He had four catches in that first game. I, you know, one of my bold predictions was that he was going to get set, you know seventy catches this year, and but the, the, the you know the qualifier was always if he can stay healthy, and that seems like that's going to be the qualifier for his career. Unfortunately, it just it sucks for him definitely. You know, I spoke to Austin Eckler about it. He he said the offense is not going to change. You know, you're going to you know plug in Sean Coken or Virgil Green, but. He had to say, but it's not Hunter Henry, a, a Pro Bowl caliber type of tight end. A guy who was supposed to have a breakout year. So he really felt for Hunter Henry. And, and Austin was pretty close with Hunter. He, he told me he went to his wedding a couple of years ago. And just to have the Tornado a year ago and come back. He came back for the playoff game against the, the, the Patriots for pretty much the whole season he was out. Week, uh, week one, gets his knee injury. So for him, you got to feel for him. The Chargers, this first quarter of the season, if they can take care of business in Detroit, you got Houston and Miami. Think of some of the guys that you'll potentially get back. So uh, this doesn't seem to be like it's season ending for Hunter. I mean, the expectation is he'll come back at some point. Derwin James, who you guys talked to in the locker room, he's expecting to come back at some point. You know, we're not sure with Melvin. We're not sure with Russell. But to hopefully get some of these guys back, uh, playing with what you got. Um, listen, injuries are, are part of this game, but it, it was a it was a pretty long list this week, Jeff. It was a very long list, and uh, 
the thing is that if, this is kind of like one of those, it, it's only week two, but it almost feels like if they can kind of weather this and get through this and they, their schedule is somewhat favorable. I mean, Houston's good. We all know that. And from what we understand, the Lions are better than they've been. Uh, we know what Miami is. Uh, what is that, Jeff? So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we know what Miami is. Uh, so uh, I think it it does almost feel like that. Let's get through this, try to stay afloat, not let this you know get, get worse than it is. Hopefully they don't lose anybody else. And then as, as time goes here, the, some of these guys will start to sort of trickle back. And, um, and it, it, you know, ultimately toward the end of the season, they would – ideally be in a better position health-wise but uh it does have that sense of like they're they're already in, in this mode of i don't say survival mode but it is sort of feel like that where it's if they can just get through this week and then we can just get through that week and um and just to be talking about that so early in the season shows what, what's happened with their with their health but this, does, this happens around the league though and i've said it before like the teams that end up having success and having a shot at a super bowl are the ones that are able to weather injuries and you go mm-hmm. back to when the eagles won their super bowl they were down their starting quarterback they were down their left tackle there it's down their starting middle linebacker and they still won the Super Bowl and that's because they had a deep roster the Chargers have a deep roster you're gonna face injuries at some point in the season two important players two key players it happens with every single team in the NFL the ones that have success are the ones that have deep enough rosters and good enough player development to insert younger players or depth players in and still have success and yeah. you're and seeing that it, you're seeing that they yeah. did it last year to a to a degree this I is mean, nothing new yeah I mean <laughs> right? they, you know they we just talked about how, how the potential Hunter Henry is well they didn't have them all last year and they they weathered that, and they, uh, you know, and they we all know what happened to their linebackers last year. By the end, so and they they still got on a roll and stayed on a roll. So, the, yeah, they, they they've done it before. They did it last year, and now they're here. They are. They're going to have to do it again. And the and the problem is obviously like almost all these guys we're talking about are either have been to the Pro Bowl or have that ability to go to the Pro Bowl. So they are missing some really big pieces to some degree. Like you're right, it, it happens throughout the league. And then you couple that with what Gus was talking about today, like just a lot of new guys at new positions doing new things from Thomas Davis to some of the DBs. You know, when you, when you lose a guy like Michael Davis, Brandon Facehunt gets thrust into action. Uh, he talked about Jalen Watkins kind of being their jack of all trades in the secondary. So there's a lot of moving parts coupled with the injuries. And, and that's why I think if, if you're a Chargers fan from a defensive perspective, you, you got to be semi-encouraged. Obviously, it was a tale of two halves with the run defense, um, but – with this two-headed attack, I think led by Carryon Johnson. I think C.J. Anderson and Carryon split carries, but Johnson seems to be the guy in the backfield. Yeah, and and we'll see. I mean, the thing with with Faison is he's in a very difficult position because as if a, he's a young player, played six defensive snaps all last season as a rookie, and all of a sudden he's on the outside and. When an opposing team see that, a young player coming into the game, they are going to attack them. And that's what happened. It was play after play after play. The one thing you watch with young players is do they improve? How do they respond to that situation? And Brandon Faison got better as that game went on. You watch the tape, and his coverage was tighter on every single time the ball was thrown his way. The last time the ball was thrown his way, it was in the end zone, and he and he forced an incompletion. And that's, it's the same thing with Trent Scott. Was he able to respond from that bad series? He let up those two sacks. And for the rest of the game, didn't allow pressure and made some key pass protection blocks on important throws later in the game. And that's one thing I want fans to, to try and do is like when you have young players like that, just watch if they're improving as opposed to just the first thing you say when they make a bad play is, oh, write him off. He can't do it. Well, he's young. And if he's improving, maybe at some point this season he'll be able to do it. And Perspective. Maybe that, exactly. Some nuance there. Yeah. And Brandon Faison, you know, Gus talked about having a, a week knowing his role now. I mean, he said he was he was preparing himself to just be a special teams guy on Sunday on opening day, and then, you know, Mikey Davis gets hurt early, and there you go. But uh, I, I think that's important to realize. On his birthday, too. You yeah. know, that was a heck of a heck of a birthday for Brandon Faison, man, to, to get thrust in the action but ultimately get the win. But, you know, I think that's secondary, coached by Ron Milas, man. They, they, have a, they have a pretty deep group. Yeah, they still have Desmond King, uh, probably the best lock. Homecoming for Des, too. Yeah, coming back home for, for Desmond. Casey Hayward, I, I thought he had a good game against, uh, I know T.Y. got the two touchdowns, but it was kind of a short yardage, so no, no no deep plays there. So you still got two pro bowlers there in the secondary. So we keep talking about the next the next man up. We haven't even discussed Ty Long, who filled in for Michael Basley. They lost their kicker, and Ty Long this week is uh, the reigning AFC Special Team Player of the Week. So these guys are pretty deep at all three. Phases. The whole operation too. It was a was a rookie operation, right, Daniel? Yeah, the whole thing. And Tyrod Taylor was the holder he'd never held in his life. I mean, you know, I asked Anthony about this. I think it was on Monday. Just like, you know, George Stewart just deserves a lot of credit because having 
it's one thing to have the contingency plan in place. It's another thing to have worked that contingency plan throughout training camp so those guys are prepared. Um, and that's what he did. Tyra told me that he, he was, you know, holding all throughout training camp at various points off to the side while they were doing, spe- doing special teams drills. So George Stewart had those had those guys prepared, and, and he deserves a lot of credit, and Anthony said that on Monday. All right, guys, I'll get you out here on this. Uh, we'll go around the around the imaginary roundtable here. <laughs> Jeff Miller first, uh, a player that you're going to have eyes on on the Chargers this Sunday. Oh, wow. I have to go first. Um, I already have mine. You, of course you do. Because I'm prepared. Because you're prepared. <laughs> um I would he say, read Eric's piece too. Yeah, he, I, I'm sure he did. I haven't. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with the listeners. I have not read it. Uh, I, I guess you know. I think we we talked about uh, Faison. I think I'm probably going to go with him just because it's going to be. It will be interesting to see how he responds. And and I think that that you you would think that having a week to know that you're the guy and you're going to be out there should help him. And uh, so I'm going to go with him and, and just uh, it, and see if he can, because I know, I mean, the Lions watched the same thing we did, and they're going to, they're, you know, Matt Stafford had, what, 380-some yards passing week one, and they're going to, from what I understand, is they've kind of opened things up more for him. And he's, it's going to be a little more, maybe uh, a little more of a passing attack than maybe they've had in the past, and uh, they're going to be looking for 28 when they break the huddle, like just just like uh, Brissett was doing with the Colts. So it, it, they're going to, He's going to have his chances to show that he's improved, and that that will be something really interesting to watch Sunday. That's a good one. Gil? Well, hopefully I'm not taking Daniel's uh, player to watch here, but I'm going to go with Trent Scott. You took it. I did. <laughs> I had a feeling. So I'm not changing. Uh, you got to change. <laughs> You're not going to change. No, you don't have to change. You go All for right. it. I'll just, All right, I'll just, just bring, I'll just bring Trent more Scott? and better information. I'll go, with, I'll go, with, <laughs> go off of what I said. <laughs> I'll go with Trent Scott because he has to go up against Trey Flowers, and it seems like <laughs> – Every week he has to face some uh, uh, in a, like elite or pro or pass rusher. Uh, By the way, last time the Chargers were on the road, Trey Flowers was there as well. Yeah, he was pretty good too. And Philip Rivers yeah, he said was it. pretty good that day. <laughs> and uh, I, I know Trent was pretty uh, hard on himself for you know letting letting up. I think it was multiple sacks in the third quarter against Justin Houston and the, and the guys there and the, with the Colts. But he said overall he, he was pretty happy and pleased with with the, what he did on tape and. Just that one rough third third quarter, he he I think he's gonna brush it aside and we'll see how he does against Trey Flowers and now to Daniel for more Trent Scott. More, double more. double Trent Scott analysis here more on Chargers This is called I'm, this is called more adapting on the fly. Um I'm gonna be watching so Trent Scott's the number one person I'll be watching for ex- exactly the reason Gil said with Trey Flowers. You're talking about a dominant defensive end and it's a great it'll be a great challenge for Trent just to see if he's able to improve like what I was talking about earlier. The other guy I'm be watching is Kaiser White. Um, mm. Just because he's going to be so paramount to this defense as, as the Mike linebacker, um, he I talked to him today and he said, you know, I have a lot of things that, that that I can work on. He said he can even play faster than he did. That was one thing that Gus Bradley said that he, he liked out of Kaiser. But his development this season at that middle linebacker spot is going to be crucial to how well this defense plays, especially with all the new pieces. Because ultimately, it falls on his shoulders to get everyone in place, make sure they're in the right play call, and um, and to make sure that the defense is functioning properly. Um, Adrian Adrian Phillips does a little bit of that. Too, but the more Kaiser can do that, the the easier the, the defense is going to, to function. And so I'll be watching him to see if he can help this run defense improve specifically. My guy's Travis Benjamin. I always feel like Travis steps up when the team needs him most. I remember that game in Pittsburgh last year, the Sunday night football game. They were down early in Pittsburgh. He had a he had a touchdown to kind of get them off the schneid there early. Um, Kansas City came up clutch when Keenan went down. Uh, he's had multiple games where, you know, whether it's a kick return or just a, a big play, and it, when you're down a few weapons, uh, interested to see if Phillip, maybe a little play action, or just kind of spread the field a little bit, stretch the field, and Travis could get open. We'll see what happens. No, that, I think uh, that's that's his thing, right? He's, he's his speed, and that's what they want from him. That's why, he's a guy, that's why he has a job. He's the fastest guy out there. So yeah. they're going to uh, – uh, that would be – it, this would be a good week to, uh, especially with depending on what happens with Mike Williams. But uh, yeah, this would one be catch for twelve now. yards. I, I feel like too, you, you you forget like, all right, the guy had a quiet game. Like he may erupt. You know, it could be a lot of these guys who like may not have the game you think they they were gonna have. They're still gonna be available and still gonna be called upon. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think you can apply that to the running backs too, yep. because they're gonna just they're gonna be feeding the hot hand. And if Justin Jackson is the one making plays early on. I mean, he, the, he we, we talked about this after the game. He averaged like 9.7 yards per yeah. carry. Like that, that to me is a hot hand, but Eckler was just playing so well and was making plays in the passing game on the screen yeah. game too. Eckler was hotter than nine right. and a half yards of carry. <laughs> so, That's well, how, I mean, honestly, he really was. Yeah, he was. But just, you know, I think at, at, in any game this season, as long as Melvin Gordon is still holding out, either of those guys can be the one that ends up with 
you know, all the cameras trained on him after the game and the three touchdowns, whenever, because they're just going to feed whoever's hot. So I think you got to keep an eye on Justin Jackson because if he's hot and he's rolling and Eckler is not as good as he was on Sunday, then he's then then Justin Jackson is going to be the feature back and we'll end up with the numbers. So I think it could go either way. We'll see. In Detroit, I'll see you fellas up there. We got a any what's Detroit known for food wise? Uh, I don't know. Coney Dogs. Coney Dogs. Well, okay. Coney Dogs. There's Greek Town right by the stadium. Okay. You like Greek food? Yeah. What what's what year were you in Detroit? Nineteen forty seven. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like he called you he called you a millennial and then said you're from nineteen forty seven all in the span of five minutes. <laughs> I'd like to think of myself as being a renaissance man. <laughs> and that's the perfect right there is a perfect illustration. I love it. Well end on that. Jeff Miller, Gil Manzano, Daniel Popper. Always appreciate it, fellas. All right, thank you. Thanks. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. A big thanks to our beat writers, plus Daniel Jeremiah, Dave Burkett, and Rich Gannon for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. Remember, be sure to download and subscribe to the all-new Chargers Podcast Network wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the game on Sunday as the Chargers look to go 2-0 in 2019. And until next time, I'm Chris Avery.